Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's sing that song, sister. Is that what you're singing? Bless the Lord, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Sing it again. Oh, I will bless the Lord, O my soul, and all. For he has done great things. For he has done great things. For he has done great things. Bless his holy name. Oh, I will bless. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse beginning with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. According to Lifeway Research Group, Father's Day is the holiday with the single lowest average church attendance. Statistically lower than Labor Day, Memorial Day, and even the 4th of July. This is interesting, especially when you consider that Mother's, Mother's Day tends to be 
of the three holidays, the third highest church service after Easter and Christmas. So Mother's Day is one of the most highly attended Sundays of the year, and Father's Day is one of the lowest. What does this tell us? The attendance difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day is very telling. Either churches are less effective at affirming fathers or families believe Christian fathers don't value the participation in worship services. On Mother's Day, we could say on Mother's Day, school is still in, and on Father's Day, school is normally out, and you travel and go see relatives or go on vacation. But all these factors and statistics aside, here's what's really striking. When you see the research on the impact, everybody say impact, the impact of a dad's faith and practice on their families. According to the data researched by the Promise Keepers, if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. If a father does go regularly to church, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will attend church as adults. If a father attends church irregularly, between half and two-thirds of their kids will attend church with some regularity as adults. If a mother does not go to church, but a father does, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up in church. And as a contrast, I know I'm giving you all these statistics. If a father does not go to church, but the mother does, on average, two-thirds of their children will not attend church. When both parents attend Bible study, in addition to the Sunday service, 72% of their children attend Sunday school when they are grown and become adults. When the fa- only the father attends Sunday school, 55% of the children will attend. When only the mother attends Sunday school, 15% of the children will attend when grown. When neither parent attends Sunday school, only 6% of children will attend when grown. If the mother is the first to become a Christian, there is a 17% chance or probability everyone in the household will become a Christian. However, when the father is first as a believer, there is a 93% probability everyone in the house will become a Christian. Here's the impact. Dads have a huge impact on the family's faith and practice. That's why I say that our country is in a huge state of crises right now. Hey, I see a turmoil. I see a financial turmoil that is coming down the road, and we should be aware. Make sure you have all your bills paid because things are getting ready to get shaky. But I want to encourage you with these words, which Moses spoke in Deuteronomy 6 and 6 and 9. You can survive any hardship, any difficulty, any circumstance that comes your way. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You want to hold your family together? Teach your children about God and teach them about attending worship consistently and faithfully. Amen? 
You should teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you should bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You should write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is what you should do when you talk to your children. You should talk to them about going to church, being a believer, what you should do. Now, I, I, I don't want to beat us up the whole service uh, because we are the fathers in here. We, you, you suffer probably enough guilt. We all do. But there is something that we can do. We can, you know, we live in farming country. Let me say it like this. We live in farming country, and I, I, I enjoy driving by and looking at the fields. How many's ever done that recently? And you, drive, you get out in the country, and you look at the fields, and my wife and I were driving along, and I'll say to that field, no, that, that's not looking too good. That corner's real short. You know, they, the old saying is knee high by the 4th of July. And I said, it better get with it if it's going to grow up to knee, knee high. And then I'll drive by another field and I'll see, man, the corn is looking good. It's, it's even close to being knee high. I'm saying, that, that's, gonna, that's a nice looking field. But you know, there are times that I drive by fields and I know it is that the farmer, whoever is planting, uh, one, maybe he planted soybeans and he changed and he planted corn or he plant, planted corn and, and changed the soybeans. And there are some things that we call volunteer seed that just pops up out of the ground. Maybe when they were harvesting an ear of corn or a piece of corn or something fell into the ground and, and although the farmer planted soybeans, a, a corn stalk pops up. And we, we call it that volunteer. Now, I'm giving you this illustration. You say, well, I've made a lot of mistakes, Pastor, in my rearing my children and, and decisions for my family. Well, you can change. And I know that you might endure some volunteer uh, sowing of the seed that you sowed. But you can change by ch changing what you plant in your life. You can plant good things and you will harvest good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Now we often refer to that in a negative connotation, but I want to give you the positive. If you sow positive things, you'll reap positive things. Amen? So there are some benefits if you know what you're doing and you stop doing the wrong thing and you start doing the right thing. Amen. It's never over until it's over. It's never over until the Lord calls us home. Amen? So we can change. You can turn over a new leaf. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, you said I, I made a, a statement that we have all made mistakes. You know, it's not time to sit and dwell on mistakes. It's time to look forward and how we can make a change in our life and in the lives of those who are around us. Someone said amen. You have an opportunity to make a change. Amen. I want to give you all the fathers that are here, and you might have young children, and uh, perhaps there are grandfathers here that can influence. Uh, I want to give seven things that every father must teach his daughter. She needs you to be involved in her life. Amen. A daughter needs a father to be actively interested in her life. 
And actively interested does not mean you pat them on the head every now and again as you go by. It means ask them and talk to them and ask them questions about what they're thinking and what's going on in their life. Amen. Be actively interested in your daughter's life. Number two, she needs you to demonstrate a healthy marriage. You want your kids to not live in poverty? Stay married. Amen. I didn't get a lot of amens, but that's the truth. It, because if you as a couple make $50,000 a year and you, you separate with all the legal expenses and other things that the, when the state gets involved, then you're down to $25,000 each. Your children do not benefit from that. Stay married, amen. Fall in love again. If you fell in love the first time, uh, start courting each other and fall in love again, amen. Having a great example, my parents have been married for 63 years. Amen. Let's give them a hand clap. So your daughter needs you to demonstrate a healthy marriage. The first relationship a daughter experiences is the one between her father and her mother. If her father disrespects his wife with physical or emotional abuse, a daughter might come to believe that's the expected relationship with a husband. Amen. Number three, she needs you to support her. Even though a father may not always agree with his daughter, you know, you, never, you don't always agree with your children, but you hopefully train them in the right way, and then when they make good decisions or a decision that perhaps you wouldn't do, try to support them as much as you can. Amen? A daughter needs to know that you will support her wholeheartedly. I'm here to help you. I'm here to be a guide. Amen? Be understanding. And number four, she needs to trust you as a confidant. When your daughter discusses personal issues or problems, treat them with respect and confidence. Amen. Don't tell, air your family problems out to everybody in, in your surrounding community on your contact list. Amen. You know, I always had a, a saying in my family when we, there's a problem in my family, we circle the wagons. Amen? You know that old saying, you circle the wagons? In other words, the, the pioneers as they were going west, if there was a problem, if there was a situation, you circled the wagons to try to maintain control and try to ward off that which is threatening you. Amen? Circle the wagons. Protect one another. Protect each other. It's family. We are family in this church. Protect one another. Amen? A daughter needs your unconditional love. You know, we have a heavenly father. He loves us unconditionally. And all of us are at one point or another not very lovable. The Bible says he loved us when we weren't unlovable. And times that we've made decisions and done things that we weren't lovable. And, in, and our father didn't really appreciate the decisions that we made. He still loves us. Amen. Number six, she needs a strong spiritual leader. 
This is a real crisis even in the church. We need strong spiritual leaders. We need men that will pray, men that will bring their family to church, men that not just reluctantly come to church because their wife or a significant other is coming, their children, I want my children to be saved. You need to be a spiritual leader in your home. Spiritual head. One that says, hey, we're going to go to church no matter what. Hey, we're going to gather for worship no matter what. Hey, hey, we're going to gather for prayer no matter what. Hey, we're going to study the word no matter what. Amen. I think the benefit of what all this has happened in the last four months is that people have done more personal devotion than they've ever done in their entire life. Someone said amen. I think your daughter needs a positive role model. And although I, I believe that we are losing the battle because we, I feel like uh, positive role models are in the minority nowadays. Many daughters lack a positive male role model in their life. A father is the first man in a girl's life that she will immediately know. Her father sets the standard for all other men in her life. And a positive role model will help her choose a good husband in the future. Amen. What we're looking for is positive role models. Amen. Be a role model. Say to yourself, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to have the, even though you might disagree, you, and even though things are not right, and nothing is ever perfect in your life, you say, I'm going to be a role model, and I'm going to do the right thing all the time. Amen. A positive role model. You don't know who you're influencing even in the church by being a role model. I want to give you, fathers, eight things every father must teach his son. Number one, number one be a gentleman. We have a, a lack and there is a famine in the land for just common courtesy. Just the common courtesy of ta- saying thank you or no thank you or please. That, uh, that's, we're, we're losing that in our culture. Be a gentleman. A firm handshake combined with a look in the other person in the eye carries with it great respect, dignity, and strength. Amen. Be a gentleman. Number two, honor your father and your mother. Honor and esteem. There is a promise with this commandment. How many knows what the promise is? Long life. My mother lived until, grandmother lived until she was 93, and she would always say, I always honored my father and mother. And here she lived to 93, amen. My mother believes that she's going to live till 103, amen. <laughs> I believe she can do it, amen. Number three, and this is a big one, every, uh, a father must teach his son respect women. Can I get a hearty amen from the ladies? Respect a woman physically by honoring her body and and accepting that is reserved for her and her future husband. Respect her emotionally by understanding that she has a very special way of thinking and feeling that that is different from yours. Amen. Respect. It doesn't say anything that there are differences we, there are differences between male and female. That's not what we're saying. We, we need mutual respect for one another. But respect for women is very important that a father should teach his son. Respect your mother. Don't talk down to your mother. 
Don't belittle your mother. Don't be sarcastic to your mother. I'll warn you, young ladies, if there are any young ladies of marriageable age, you watch a man. If he talks back to his mother, if he talks down to his mother, if he's disrespectful to his mother, you don't want to marry him. Because that's exactly how he'll treat you. You watch how a man treats his mother. If he treats his mother with disrespect, talking down to her, criticizing her, guess what? That's what you're going to endure for your married life. Number four, the fourth thing a man should teach his father, I mean son, and be a man of integrity. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. Do the right thing even when no one is going to know whether you did the right thing or the wrong thing. Amen? Number five, I'll move on here. Take responsibility. Teach your son, fathers, to take responsibility. Do what you say you'll do. Do it right and do it with excellence. Amen. No one likes shoddy work. (laughs) Do good work. We have a strong gene in my family. And uh, if I go on vacation, I come back and I immediately unpack that night. My wife will say, Oh, I'm tired. I'll pa- unpack in the morning. I said, nope, not me. I, I get out the suitcase. I get out, pull all my clothes. I put my toothbrush away. I put my comb away. I, I put everything away. Then I can go to bed. There's something uh, about getting up the next morning. Everything is together. Now, I'll tell you this, men, and I do the dishes sometimes because if I see there are dirty dishes, I don't like to go to bed with dirty dishes. Who said dishes was just a woman's job anyhow? I, I, I knew I'd get the, the women on my side on that one. I'm sorry? Yeah, men turn plates over when they wash dishes, and that's what the Bible says. Anyhow, my brother and I, uh, there was no girls besides my mother in the house. And to give my mother a break, my dad would say, okay, which one of you boys is going to do the dishes tonight? If no one volunteers, I'm going to volunteer you. <laughs> Voluntold. <laughs> and so I got used to doing dishes. Hey, we didn't have a dishwasher. The dishwasher, his name was Kevin <laughs> or Todd, <laughs> who was ever on duty that night. Amen. I learned to clean dishes good, and I learned to put them away. Amen. We're all in this together. I don't like my house to be messy. I take a broom and sweep the floor too. Well, you can tell I'm a little fastidious. (laughs) Number six, the sixth thing that a father should teach a son, work hard. Work hard. Be a hard worker. We were all created to work and work is good. Somebody say, work is good. We were all created to work. The first thing that the Lord told Adam in the garden is this is what I want you to do. I want you to keep it. I want you to dress it. You look in the first chapter, in the second chapter, in the third uh, chapter of the book of Genesis and you'll find that God had a plan for man and that plan was to work. Amen. Teach your son, number eight, to love God. We were created by God and for God. 
We are to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind, and our strength. This is absolutely the most important thing you should teach your son. The most important thing. Now, I want to give you several things from Brother Dave Ramsey. <laughs> because we, we don't want to forget the most important thing in teaching your child every day besides the other things that I've talked about. Your economics plays a huge import, in part in your success in life. If you don't teach your kids how to manage money, somebody else will teach them. And it's not a risk you want to take. How to teach preschoolers and kindergartners about money. Number one, use a clear jar to save and that they can see that they're saving something. A piggy bank is a great idea, but just putting pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters and, and a dollar bill every now and again in the jar, they can see what they're saving, and it teaches them the importance of saving. Now, you're not going to hear this everywhere in North America, but you're hearing it this here this morning. This is very important. That's something that you should teach your chi children and your grandchildren to save. Set an example. Number two, teach your preschoolers and kindergartners. Set an example. Amen. If you're slapping down plastic every time you go out to dinner or the grocery store, they'll eventually notice. If you and your spouse are arguing about money, they'll eventually notice. Set a healthy example. You need to come to an agreement. This is not something that we argue about. This is something that we discuss. Amen. 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 Number three, show them that stuff just is not free. It costs something. That pack of toy cars costs $5, son. But help them grab a few dollars out of their piggy bank, out of that jar, and take it down there. You put it in their hand and say, this is what you want. It's going to come from your jar, and it's going to pay for that thing that you want. You take that, put the money in their hand, and they put the money in the person's hands that's receiving it and giving them in exchange whatever they're buying. If that simple action will have more of an impact than a five-minute lecture. How to teach your elementary students and your middle schoolers about money. Show opportunity cost. If you buy this video game, then you won't, won't have money to buy that pair of shoes. You can have this or you can have that, but you can have both. Amen? Number five, give commissions and not allowances. Don't just pull out money out of your pocket. I can't remember uh, just pulling money out of my pocket and giving it to you. Did I? Did I, Brother Winston? Did I, Sister Taylor? Did I, Brother Nolan? No, I just don't pull money out of my pocket and give it to you. Unless they've done some work for it. Amen? Hey, this is a, this is a family business that we're running. I'm not, the, the, I, I, I'm not the, the bank and you can just come out and push a button at the ATM and money comes out. Amen. Well, you can do that if you want, but when they're 25 and 27 and 35, they'll still have their hand out saying, can you give me, give me, give me. No, I, I taught them when they were younger. So now when they are 25 and when they get 37, they're getting it on their own. Amen. Amen.
Number six, avoid impulse buys. Mom, I just found this cute dress. It's perfect, and I love it. <laughs> Can we buy it, please? Does that sound familiar to some of you? This age really, group really knows how to capitalize on the impulse buying. How many's ever been and you're in the checkout line? And you know, marketers, they're, they're very smart about this. You're in the checkout line. You've got everything that you need. You went to the store to get, and you're standing there in your cart in line, ready to check out, and you start looking around. Yeah. Oh, oh what's that over there? They got all the candy, and you should never, here, say this with me. You should never go to the store hungry. Don't go on a fast. Don't go on a three-day fast and then go to the grocery store. You'll have two carts, one in front and one in the back. Buying everything that you see and things you need and don't need. <laughs> Amen? That impulse buy. You know, it's easy to impulse buy when it's somebody else's money. If you're buying and you say, get whatever you want, uh, you know, you take me to a restaurant and you say, get what you want. Nobody's waving their hand say, Pastor, I'm going to take you to a restaurant. I'm going to tell you, get whatever you want. Well, I guess if it's McDonald's, the highest thing on the McDonald's men menu. <laughs> Number seven, stress the importance of giving. Amen. Stress the importance of giving. Importance of giving. You know, tithing and offering is very, very important in this church. Amen. Once they start making a little money, be sure you teach them about giving. Amen. How to teach teenagers about money. Number eight, teach them contentment. Dad, Mark's parents... Bought him a brand new car. How come I have to drive this 1993 Chevrolet? <laughs> Mom, this girl at school got to spend $10,000 on her sweet 16 party. I want to do that too. Now you know what it's like to want. Contentment starts in the heart. Let your teenager, let your child know that their, their 1993 Chevrolet, although not the newest car on the block, is still running well enough to get them from point A to point B. Stop looking at your neighbor and pay attention to what's going on in your own life. Amen? Be con Godliness with contentment is great gain. You have a lot of people that are godly, but they're discontent. Amen? You need to be happy with what you have. Don't go in debt. Don't go in debt for Christmas. Some people go in debt for Christmas, and then they're until July and August paying it back. And then they do the same thing in December. Amen? 
Well, I'm, I'm talking about something that's dear to your heart, and I'm not getting a lot of amens, but that's okay. Give them a responsibility of a bank account. Their own bank account. You know, if there's money in the bank, you can spend it. But if there's not, there's, you can't spend it. I'll tell you what. If you overdraw on a checking account, I know what the bank will do. <laughs> they will bounce that check. They're not going to cover it. They're not going to give you a little loan just to, you know, help you get along. Number 10. Get them saving for college. If I can preach anything, I'm going to preach that you need an education. You can't just finish high school anymore. You have to have an education to do something or you're going to fall further and further behind. Number 11, teach them to steer clear of student loans. Amen. I want to say something about my son, Nolan. And I don't often say a lot about my children, but my son, Nolan, received a scholarship from Richmond High School to attend Ivy Tech. And when he graduates, he'll graduate debt-free. Amen. They said, Nolan, if you'll stay here in Richmond and go to Ivy Tech, we'll pay for your courses. So he's been going to Ivy Tech. He's going to get a degree from Ivy Tech. Amen. That's just as good as any other school's name. Amen. And then he can go on to something else. Number 12, teach them the danger of credit cards. As soon as you reach 18, you're going to get all these marketing programs. You know, if you get this card, we'll give you $1,000. We'll give you $3,000. No, it's the time to determine right now you're not going to get in the credit card trap. Someone say amen. Get your children on a simple budget. Amen. You want a phone? You want a vehicle? You want, some, uh, you want to buy that? Well, if you have a vehicle, you're going to have to pay your own insurance. Amen? I'm preaching. This is good preaching this morning. If you want a phone, you need to buy your phone. You know, we live for thousands of years without a phone. If you want a phone, you can buy one. Amen. Well, you can love me or not love me. That's okay. <laughs> Number 14, and I'm almost done. Introduce your children to the magic of compound interest. When you open a savings, and don't touch the savings, let the savings accumulate. It's amazing what things will do if you just let it sit in there and accumulate. Amen? We know what you're thinking. You can barely get your teen to brush their hair, brush their teeth, and clean their room. I understand. It's difficult times amen how many's had a, a child that you've had to threaten with some kind of recourse if they did not clean their room raise your hand if you've been there you <laughs> both hands raised <laughs> you've went in there and said if this room doesn't get cleaned and you gave the whatever consequences there was going to be I understand it's sometimes difficult, but teach them. If they save, they will benefit later. Amen. Here's my last one as a father figure. Help them to figure out how to make money. Amen. Help them to figure it out. 
you have the experience in life. It doesn't just come easy. You need to put your brain together, your brains together, and figure it out. Amen. When you think about it, teenagers have plenty of free time, fall break, summer break, winter break, spring break. If your teen wants some money, don't just pull it out of your pocket. Help them find a job. Better yet, help them to become an entrepreneur. Amen. I like to see, I saw a little boy the other day. He had a gas can under one, in one hand and a lawnmower he was pushing in the other hand. Rolled down the window and went, yeah, go. That's right. There's an entrepreneur. One of these days, he's going to be selling you something. Amen. A service or a product. It's easier than ever for your child to start up their own business and turn a profit. As I talked about the little illustration of the volunteer seed coming up, change your family tree. Teaching your children about money at any stage is going to take time on your part. It won't always be easy, but if you want your children to know how to successfully manage their money when they get older, taking time now will be worth it. Amen? One of the best ways to teach your children about handling money is to give them a chance to make some of their own. Amen? And so all these points, perhaps you've written them down, perhaps you've just listened, but I hope you took one or two or three or four points how you can change your own personal environment, and change the environment of those that you have a vested interest in. Your children, you have an interest in seeing them do well. I believe everyone here in here wants their children to do well. Amen? I'm going to do the best that I can to help them to do well so that when I'm not around, they will do well on their own. Amen? And that's the importance of a father. Being a father has a lot of responsibility. Being a father sometimes... Uh, you, I remember before I was a father. How many men remember before they were a father? And you saw kids and you think, my kids are never going to do that. How many said that? I'm never going to do that. My kids are never going to do that. That's a famous last words. You're sitting around the table there at that restaurant and one of your children gets sick and throws up all over the... And you decide, well, I'm done with my meal. I think everybody else is. And uh, you get up and leave, although you were wanting to have a leisure moment and pay for that meal. And, and those are just things that happen. I remember seeing a, a couple of their kid was on the table, off the table, under the table, on the chair, behind the chair, pushing the chair around the table and doing all kinds of things. And I said to myself, my children will never do that. Well, I had to eat those words. <laughs> Amen. Uh, he was an angel, wasn't, weren't you, Jesse? <laughs> Don't let your halo get in your eyes. <laughs> Amen. I really do appreciate the fathers that have had a great influence. My wife's father was a good man to his family. My father is a good man in, in my family. And all the fathers in here, I want to give you honor and pay you respect today. And thank you for being faithful and thank you for being here today amen you could be someplace else you could be out on the boat on a lake someplace you could be hunting you could be sleeping in or having a leisure morning breakfast but you came you got up and you came to church today and you showed your children or your grandchildren how important it is to serve God amen 
Would you raise your hands right now? Let's love and praise and thank the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for what He's done in our life. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for your mercy and your kindness and your love to us. We thank you for your faithfulness and what you've done, how you've picked us up and pulled us out of the miry clay. You set us on the rock to stay. We thank you, Jesus, for we were stuck in the things of this world and you pulled us out and set us free. We have liberty in you. We have liberty and courage to walk in faith. We have courage to be the right thing for our families. I thank you, Lord, for making the right decisions in our life. I thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your kindness right now. We worship you and praise you. We thank you for the blessings today. Hallelujah. If I could have all the fathers bow their heads before we sing this song. Amen. Everyone, please bow your head. We're going to ask the fathers to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for every one of you right now. A special prayer of blessings in Jesus' name. Lord God, you see every father in this place that has raised their hand. I ask for your mercy and your kindness. Let your healing be in their heart, God. Let your blessings be upon them. Give them encouragement and courage to do the right thing, Lord. That they would say the right thing. That they would be the right example. A godly example. I thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your kindness. You've forgiven us of many of our sins. If we're in sin right now, Lord, would you forgive us right now for... We worship you and praise you and submit our hearts and lives to you. I thank you for all that you've done and bless these fathers right now. In Jesus' name, we worship and praise you and give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Sister Carmela.